Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, and we're excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. Today, we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 12, Double Date. The Netflix bio for this episode is Lorelai goes on a hellish double date with Sookie Jackson and Jackson's odd cousin. Meanwhile, Rory double dates with Dean, Lane, and Dean's friend. Wow. A lot of doubles yeah. going on. <laughs> well, welcome back, everybody. We hope you had a good break or mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> that you got a break at all. Um, I'm sh- we have enjoyed our... <laughs> Our break at least I think we will have right speaking to the future uh, as always we'd like to quickly remind you and ask to rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen of course we'd like you to send your gazebo moments from the first season to our email talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com so we can feature you in an episode and last but not least you can follow us on Instagram at talkingfastpodcast to stay updated and enjoy the fun content that mostly Suzanne is a master at creating. (laughs) I just spent too much time on my phone. (laughs) I'm excited to talk about this episode because Mm -hmm. it's just a wonderful episode. Like I I have a hard time finding things to critique with this episode because it's just a whole bunch of cute funny moments and kind of cringeworthy moments in some cases. (laughs) Definitely some cringe in this one. (laughs) Well, let's get started with our Talking Fast segment, and I believe I am going first this week. Okay, good luck. Are you ready? (laughs) Yes, I am. Okay, and go. Okay, so Rory is persuaded into a double date by Lane because Lane wants to go out with Todd. Simultaneously, Lorelai is also persuaded by Suki to go on a double date. Suki wants to go out with Jackson and his cousin Rune is in town. Both of these dates happen at the movies or the French restaurant or Luke's. And then Mrs. Kim finds out, interrupts Luke, maybe asking Lorelai out. And both girls get in trouble. But then Mrs. Kim and Lorelai talk and that is a good time. Wow, that was good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's see what you can do. (laughs) Okay. All right. Three, two, one, go. So we start out with Lane having a crush on Todd. She's moved on from Rich Blumenfield, something like that. And uh, so she sets up, or she asks Roy to set up a double date with her and Dean and this guy Todd. And at the same time, Lorelai is kind of uh, put into a double date situation with Sookie and Jackson and Jackson's cousin, Rune. And both of them go pretty awkwardly. Um, and <laughs> Mrs. Kim finds them, and then, uh, Lorelai talks to Mrs. Kim later. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I let you go over a couple seconds. I just, 
I felt too bad. <laughs> Every single time I like go into way too much detail at the very beginning and then just it goes badly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, should we slow down and look at these moments? Yes. Yeah, I think we both mentioned the main episode structure uh, of these like double dates paralleled with each other. But I did want to open up and start with the opening scene of the episode before the before you know they play the credits. This was my welcome to Stars Hollow moment. I love a good episode that starts off like right off the bat with that like cozy and aesthetic uh, stuff that we like. This was to kind of quickly describe it. It was a very seamless and coordinated morning routine of Rory and Lorelai. I thought this was, like, the Goma girls at their best. Like, you see them getting coffee, and it's kind of humorous because they're too impatient to let it finish filling up the pot. So they're, like, filling up their cups while it's still going, and it's a mess. They're also making Pop-Tarts, and they're both um, so in sync with one another. You really get the sense, like, oh, this is something they do every morning. There's this fun, like, pop rock music playing in the background i looked it up and it's a song earn enough but for us by xtc which is apparently an english rock band formed in the 70s uh so altogether, it just feels very cozy familiar um desirable like you look at that and you wish like you could have a routine like that with your mom or your sister or your, mm-hmm. i don't know anything like that but i was just smiling at the start of the episode yeah, I agree. I loved it as well. It's it's amazing that they can make, like, mornings are never smooth, especially when you have multiple people in a house. They're usually pretty mm-hmm. quite chaotic. Um, and this was still chaotic, but in, yeah, like you said, a kind of seamless fashion. Like, they do this every single day. I like that it didn't have any dialogue. It was just, like, mm-hmm. kind of grumpy morning stuff. <laughs> I yeah. was kind of astounded that they make it till lunch off of only one Pop-Tart, not even a package of Pop-Tarts, just a single Pop-Tart. I am a breakfast person. I couldn't do that. I would be so hangry. <laughs> Maybe this is why they seem to be so ravenous at dinner time. That's true. <laughs> yes. People always talk about, like, how can the Gomers eat that much food? Maybe it's because they only have their single Pop-Tart in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that's true. An interesting diet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um... After the credits, we get this great scene with Elaine showing up to Rory and Lorelai's house with all of her CDs. And Mm. within this actually was my uh, Rory's bookshelf moment. Um, Mm. Because Lane has a Yoko Ono CD and Rory starts to give her trouble about like the whole did Yoko Ono uh, break up the Beatles kind of thing. And I chose this not because I'm necessarily a Yoko Ono fan or even a Beatles fan, to be honest, but because I saw I saw Yoko Ono in... Wow. Um, I lived in Iceland for a little while, and there's like a, a tiny island off of uh, the coast of Reykjavik that has this huge, like, basically a beam of light that is, um, that was set up... I think by Yoko Ono in memorial of um, um, John Lennon. That that was, yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't get that name wrong or we will be skewered. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so every year, um, I think on his birthday or death day, I don't remember exactly which, she goes and lights that big thing. And you can see it. It's basically like a huge spotlight you can see from anywhere in Reykjavik. And they light it like... Um, so it's it's lit kind of, I think, early November or late October. And then it goes, they keep it on until um, after the spring uh, equinox because Iceland has, like, no light in the winter. <laughs> so she has this big, like, um, a big festival, kind of. She, a whole bunch of people can take a ferry over to this island and she does a little performance and um, I think some other artists might do performances and they have like hot wine and stuff like that. So I went to it. It was actually, to be honest, kind of miserable because it was very cold and wet <laughs> and I didn't wear the correct shoes. But but it was pretty cool and I got to watch her like kind of dancing um, and singing and stuff as they lit the, the tap or the light i don't remember the exact name of it i'll post it with the episode notes because mm. some people might be interested if they're going to iceland anytime soon but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is not what i ex- that's not where i expected you to go with that <laughs> but that's really cool i have no opinions huh. about yoko ono and the beatles mm. although i think it is one of those sexist things that always happens when there's a male like all male band and one of them starts has like a serious relationship and then the band breaks up it's never because of that there were always other factors mm-hmm. <laughs> same can be said yeah. for like I, yeah. and stuff like that <laughs> i liked how lane said um they were gonna break up anyways yeah. like yes lane you're right mm-hmm. uh, but within this cd sharing scene is when lane works up to asking rory to Ask Dean to ask Todd. <laughs> it's very, very convoluted, but ultimately she wants her to set up this double date because she's convinced that Todd is the new love of her life. And while I kind of want to roll my eyes, like Rory does a little bit, like, oh, this is your new love, what happened to Rich, etc. I also kind of just love that youthful optimism and passion of a crush being like the love of my life and it going so wrong in the end but I have to appreciate that about it yeah it becomes so clear that like crushes I honestly think at any point in your life crushes are mostly just like a person that you've just made up a personality for um, usually mm-hmm. don't know them very well, so that's clearly which we happens. will <laughs> yeah. we will definitely see that unfold with Todd later on. Mm-hmm. He does not quite meet her <laughs> imagination of him. I have to say. I also this whole like the whole asking Dean to ask Todd or asking Roy to ask Dean to ask Todd reminded me mm-hmm. of a scene from the fourth Harry Potter movie. I don't know if you know the one yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, I do. Lavender said to do whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Harry is hanging out with Neville because he's in a fight with Ron. Mm-hmm. Hermione comes up and says something like, Dean told Parvati that Ron 
said that Haggard is looking for you or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it was like so. It was like seven degrees removed in that yeah. situation. It's yeah. so hard to like figure out the actual train of events and who's talking to who. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's what's going to be happening here. <laughs> right. Um, the next morning at the inn, we see Lorelai. And this is when Suki and her double date arises. Because I think Lorelai very wisely encourages Suki to ask out Jackson a second time. Mm-hmm. Because apparently, um, the moment that we celebrated so much last episode, it happened weeks ago, and there's been, like, no news. And Suki's like, well, it's his turn now. It's not my turn. And all of these kind of, like, weird dating rules, you Mm -hmm. know, that people act like are rules, but should just be broken if they're there at all. That's basically what Lorelai says. Like, you should call him and invite him out on Sunday, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I loved this scene. Of course, because I love Suki and Jackson. Um, but the, it begins by Jackson showing up, and they have the most awkward conversation. You know, usually they're mm-hmm. fighting about peaches or whatever. And here Jackson just drops off some carrots, and they have a very awkward um, thank you, bye kind of moment. Jackson mm-hmm. almost says something at the very end. Um, but yeah, I think Lorelai does a good job of telling Suki exactly what to do and like actually making her do it in the moment because Suki Mm -hmm. could easily have just (laughs) said yes I'll ask him next time and then it never happened yeah and when Suki calls Jackson she gets his voicemail I thought it was so adorable (laughs) she's like playing with her hair (laughs) you know like you might nervously play with your hair when you're doing something but she's playing with her hair using a wooden spoon (laughs) Which just felt so soggy to me mm-hmm. as, like, just the chef how, who has a spoon in her hand and doesn't even realize it. It's, like, an extension of her. It was, it was really funny. I can relate to being so nervous when you finally go to make a phone call to a crest or just, like, even a phone call in general. That's true. <laughs> I'm the stereotypical millennial that hates making phone calls, right? Yeah, me too. I never answer my phone. If you need to contact me, you have to text <laughs> yes uh anyways when jackson does get back to sookie it's with the news that luckily he would like to go to dinner with her but his cousin is in town and this prompts sookie to basically coerce lovingly maybe lorelei into this double date it's not exactly like uh, the Lane and Rory situation where they both like ask permission before they establish the double date. Suki's like, I already arranged it. Can you come? <laughs> Basically. <Too late. laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and Lorelai is rightfully terrified, or not terrified, but angry and um, mm-hmm. does not want to do this. I wanted to ask you have you ever been on a double date or a super awkward date? I think I'm, I might have mentioned earlier in high school, I was often like the the third wheel. Mm-hmm. So that could be awkward sometimes. I'm sure I've had my share of awkward dates, but they don't really come to mind. How about you? <laughs> no, I don't really date. For our listeners who don't know, I'm Arrow Ace, so I don't, I don't feel any need to date. But I did mm-hmm. for a while before I realized that. I tried to go on many just like, dates from meeting people on dating apps and 
Mm-hmm. Those are all awkward. I, they're all mm-hmm. bad. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like you can meet some nice people and stuff, but just the like, the going on a blind date, which Lorelai basically has to do here with Rune. There's there's nothing good about that. Um, mm-hmm. It's always awkward. Everybody always feels way too nervous beforehand. It's just weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, now that now that you bring it up, I did forget my my days of being on the apps. <laughs> oh I dreaded I dreaded the first meeting for exactly how you yeah. described it. The pressure of making a first impression mixed in with the weird like having chatted for who knows how long mm-hmm. is such a weird weird situation to be in and like oh I don't miss that yeah. I don't miss that <laughs> and like everybody has put their best pictures up and they never actually mm-hmm. look like that in person mm-hmm. and I speak for myself <laughs> as well same so maybe I don't <laughs> that just reminds me of Rune's uh, reaction later on when he sees Lorelai for yes. the first time but we'll get to mm-hmm. that yeah I have to say <laughs> I thought Lorelai was like the best friend throughout this entire episode mm-hmm. and this was the first moment where you realize like she she doesn't like blind dates like basically anyone and she's willing to do this for her friend and it's not an easy thing either so I really applaud her for her willingness to do this for Suki yeah I al- almost feel like it would it would be less nerve-wracking to go on a blind date for your friend than to go on a blind date with somebody you actually are interested in because mm-hmm. um, right. no investment yeah you know you can you're just there to like come up with a random conversation or something which mm-hmm. Laurel I tries to do <laughs> but anyways <laughs> speaking of doing things for other people this is what Rory is hoping Dean will do for her <laughs> when they have their conversation she goes to surprise him after school uh, because she was having parent-teacher conferences. You know, a very convenient plot mm-hmm. detail, perhaps. But <laughs> um, in this scene, I had my Rory's bookshelf moment. When we see Rory on the bench before Dean arrives, the camera very clearly, I think, wanted me to pick this book <laughs> because we get like a full screen, easy to read, that she's reading the unabridged journals of Sylvia Plath, which I think is... A fantastic choice. Um, I'm sure plenty of people are familiar with Plath as a writer from the 20th century, well known for like the bell jar and exploring issues of mental health and like housewives and the feminine mystique and whatnot of like, how do you live your life when you have nothing to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, gender roles. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so then... I would only also say Dean like comes up as she's reading, jumps over the bench to sit down. I don't know why. And asks, is there anything in there about me? And oh, I just, oh, of course not. And Dean, uh, (laughs) that's all I have to say. That was my nomination and my agony at Dean. Dean. That actually something you just said made me, wonder if we can ask a larger literary question for this episode Mm. Mm -hmm. whether this episode is asking us to challenge gender role conventions um Mm -hmm. because we i mean we've already kind of mentioned that with sookie 
being the one to ask out Jackson and like set the mm-hmm. date and everything. The rest of the like setup for this episode is kind of typical. I mean, the women taking a long time to get ready, the men coming picking them up and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I wonder yeah. if um maybe the episode isn't asking us to do this, but we could find a way to see how the episode is challenging gender roles in other ways as well um yeah i don't know if that really applies to this scene with uh rory and dean i know i think that's a really productive i think that's a really productive question to ask of this episode in particular and i would be interested to keep talking about that i think my friday night dinner critique of a different scene will relate to that certainly but i do it's definitely the most like heteronormative dating kind of rituals as you already pointed out about like um Lorelai even says like oh of course you're worrying about this because you're a girl Mm -hmm. it's very like they are going into some gender essentialism as well as just more like the social roles of like what each sex is supposedly supposed to do and clearly I think we see like if you don't have to be so forced into that like so many things could have gone easier in this mm-hmm. episode you know like Suki would have gone out with Jackson weeks before if she hadn't you know well I don't think her only thing is about the gender of it all but also her self-consciousness and her nerves and things like that mm-hmm. so anyways but I would be happy to keep coming back to that question as we go forward that also <laughs> has made me think of the scene with Dean and Rory where um, they are basically being horny teenagers and trying to make out the entire time. And they are. <laughs> Rory kind of does something that we also see often with um, gender role like stereotypes and stuff, which is she's withholding um, to mm-hmm. get Dean to do what she wants him to do, mm-hmm. uh, which she has clearly learned early on to do. Um, because yeah. uh, she is 16, they've just started dating, but she's realized that, uh, to get Dean to do what she wants him to do, she can withhold this one thing. And yeah, I think that's something that is often, uh, blame that women are often blamed for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's being a very typical, like, horn dog yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. It was almost too much kissing, to be honest, in my view. Yeah. You, you really do see that they've kind of progressed, like, off screen we haven't Mm -hmm. really seen them get to this point but I noticed like oh this is a lot more kissing than I feel like we saw of them they've come so far Mm -hmm. you know from their (laughs) awkward first kiss and I did think like the flirting the chemistry was pretty on point throughout this scene even though it was a bit much for me as a viewer for those two I was like they seem very happy so (laughs) I'm happy for them I guess (laughs) was the last time we saw them together and Miss Patty's after the dance? Had they seen each other since then? Hmm. After that, we had the hospital scene, the hospital Christmas episode, right? And then the episode after Christmas was... Or no, we had the... About, like, that was mostly at Chilton yeah. with the parents' day, right? So I don't think we've seen Dean since, like... No. We heard about him, them talking on the phone. Yeah. I do remember that. He was calling, what, five times yeah. a night? <laughs> they really have so, yeah. progressed very fast from that mm-hmm. <laughs> that innocent falling asleep on Miss Patty's beanbags. 
Young love. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but within all of this, Dean does agree to approach Todd about their double date. So Rory's controlling and withholding of the kisses works, I guess. <laughs> uh, and this moves forward. This moves us into what we described as the very kind of typical feminine getting ready scene. Mm-hmm. I think like it would be really interesting to see if like the parallel of Jackson and Rune uh, and Dean and Todd getting ready as well. Mm-hmm. That might be a way to balance these things. Also, I just want to see Todd like <laughs> I feel like he must have been smoking a couple joints as he was getting ready based on just how lively or not yeah. he was later on putting his beanie on. Oh gosh, so typical. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, but it it was fun to see the like the teens of Lane and Rory versus the adults of Suki and Lorelai um, getting ready. Suki has a very like they're making her have a very elaborate mm-hmm. hairdo. I was very surprised by this. I see why she takes it down later on. Yeah, but yeah, it didn't really yeah. seem her style at all. So far, we've seen mm-hmm. her with a whole bunch of like cute braids and ponytails and bandanas and stuff so to have everything up in these crazy curlers seemed I can understand why she was super uncomfortable later it's just too much Mm -hmm. wasn't she wasn't Mm -hmm. in her element at all um but she does have a bit of a freak out as they're getting ready um she starts spiraling about whether Jackson will like her um Mm -hmm. you know clearly he he does he said yes to a date um, I think Lorelai does a great job here in kind of soothing her and making her think about all of the anxieties she has and, like, look at the actual evidence that Jackson does like her, which I think can be mm-hmm. such a hard thing, especially when you're anxious and nervous, just, like, taking a step back and actually looking at what is true, what you can find evidence for is really hard. But Lorelai does a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I identify with Suki in this scene quite a lot of like just general nerves of a night that she's put a lot of pressure on because Mm -hmm. she does seem to have such feelings for Jackson. I think that's part of what makes her so nervous. I also really enjoy that she says she worries that she's a sexual (laughs) harasser because she starts to think that she's his boss and that he's reliant on her for his livelihood and I just liked that she was so considerate in that moment of the power dynamic there but I think Lorelai was correct to walk her back from that one and I don't really think that that power dynamic (laughs) is really accurate it was more her nerves talking yeah yeah it's a a bit different when when Jackson's a private contractor (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but downstairs we get um, Lane and Rory talking about their upcoming date and we find out something pivotal which is that mm-hmm. Lane has lied to her mom about what is going on tonight she's told Mrs. Of Kim course. that they're just going to be hanging out at Rory's house maybe go and get dinner or go and uh, rent movies but she hasn't told her mom about going to movies and definitely not about going to see see them with boys Mm -hmm. Um, rory kind of brings up the mom code here which will play a bigger part later Mm -hmm. but in the end they do decide to lie for lane to lorelei as well saying that they're just going to the movies and they don't mention todd really (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, yes 
This will come back to bite them yeah. later on. <laughs> yeah. I thought that this was still, like, Rory was still being a supportive friend. I mean, yes, we could say that they were wrong to lie. But also, mm-hmm. they're teenagers. And of all the things to be lying about, I feel like this was pretty harmless. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah. I agree. It felt totally harmless to me as well, but very complicated, Mm -hmm. uh, but harmless. (laughs) So many of Lane's plans uh, involving her mom are always super complicated, Mm -hmm. and this is just the beginning. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So those two leave for their double date, and the dates for Lorelai and Sookie arrive, um, we've got Jackson and his cousin Rune. And I thought his cousin was going to be played by Nick Offerman. Did you? Oh. That was a, di- a different cousin yeah, of Jackson's di- later yeah. on. A one who actually likes Lorelai. I mean, in a gross kind of <laughs> yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> here's Rune. And this is related to my Friday, th- well, this is my Friday night dinner critique. That I'm going to make in relation to the character of Rune, um, who I just feel, I typed my notes, I said the unmitigated gall of this man, (laughs) (laughs) the audacity. So I felt pretty heated at the time that I was writing those notes. Basically, my critique of him is his his rudeness Mm -hmm. and toward Lorelai. It's totally fine if you're not into someone for whatever reason, I guess. Uh, But don't be rude to them about it. Um, And also, when you're not into someone based on very kind of like sexist views, I I don't necessarily feel like that's okay either because he's very, um, he objectifies her in his like, descriptions of why he doesn't like her he's complaining about so much of her body Mm -hmm. like how tall she is and how um what else did he say like she has big ears and he also calls her that like I have to go out with that Mm -hmm. so he's like dehumanizing her through that word choice and she can hear clearly as he's saying all of these things I just don't know who he is. Like, it was so rude. And then he puts in no effort whatsoever on this date and kind of just expects her to... I don't even know what he expects from her, but overall, I was just very... I just kept thinking he was so rude and I wish Nick Offerman was here (laughs) instead. (laughs) Yeah, we also find out that, like, Rune came uninvited to Jackson's place and has kind of just Mm -hmm. been crashing there. So, like, Jackson has kind of bent over backwards to make this a good visit for Rune, and here Rune is just insulting Sookie's best friend, and Jackson's trying to impress Mm -hmm. Sookie. Like, he wants to have a good date, and here is this negative Rune guy just messing with everything. Mm -hmm. I have two moments from this one moment my first one is my Lorelai's closet moment um for Mm. Suki's outfit specifically when she puts the shawl on the like deep blue shawl (laughs) you love you love a good shawl or cloak (laughs) yeah and I love that like I don't think I've ever really seen pink and blue like those pinks and Mm -hmm. blue together before and I really liked it 
I'm yeah, not I agree. I'm not much of a pink fan. Um, but I blue is my favorite color, so I, I really liked the contrast there and I thought it looked really good on Suki. Um yeah, I thought I just I just loved the outfit. It wasn't necessarily anything I would wear, but I loved it for Suki. <laughs> I also have my gazebo moment in this scene. Ooh, it's loaded. It had a critique, a gazebo, and a closet. <laughs> my gazebo moment is when they open the door and Suki says hi and Jackson says hi and Suki says hi and Jackson says hi and it just keeps going. <laughs> and I just Aww. like just seeing there like Jackson's kind of uh he like his jaw drops when he sees Suki and they're nervous and so cute and I just mm-hmm. loved it. They're adorable together. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. <sighs> We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Do you have an exciting occasion worth celebrating in an equally special location? Perhaps you have a long overdue date that, even though you're forcing your best friend to come to keep your date's cousin occupied, you'd still like to be romantic and intimate? Then come to Chez Fleur, the finest and only elegant French dining in Stars Hollow. At our restaurant, you'll be surrounded by elevated decor, including fireplaces, the finest linens, beautifully carved swans made out of butter, and copious arrangements of flowers corresponding to our name, of course. To maintain a a luxurious and upscale atmosphere, we've recently instituted a rule that patrons will not be allowed to behead the swans while dining in the restaurant. Beyond the unparalleled dining environment, we also offer the finest French cuisine. Despite the rumors spread by some jaded customers on Yelp, by patrons who, we might add, only ordered one martini and didn't even eat a meal, our mussels are in fact the freshest around, and our carrots are selected from the very best grocers in the area. For our listeners of Talking Fast, we have an offer as special as our wonderful establishment. Upon passing through Coat Check, Tell the maitre d' the special password, Fleur, and you will receive one of the following with your meal. A complimentary martini, a flower arrangement, or to-go butter swan. Once again, tell the maitre d' the password, Fleur, and you will receive a complimentary item of your choice. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So they arrive at their dinner at Chez Fleur, which you'll hear about more later. <laughs> and I, this is another, I think, a continuation of your gazebo moment, uh, just noticing and appreciating the dynamic between Sookie and Jackson here. Even though it is awkward, mm-hmm. I like that it's awkward. Like, their feelings for each other are just developing. It's not easy yet for them to express them to the other person. Like, Suki can talk about it to Lorelai, but she still doesn't know how to talk about it with Jackson yet. So 
Um, they're both like simultaneously though discussing things that are so them. Like Suki is fixating on the muscles, Jackson on the carrots, and like you just see why they're so perfect for each other in this moment. And Jackson, I noticed had his face while Suki was talking about the muscles was very like captivated and interested and he was completely like listening to her and being like yes this is very important to me thinking about whereas Lorelai is just like well just don't order the muscles then you know um I you just see so much potential in this moment even though uh Rune is sitting there cutting off swan heads from the like these buttered swans it was horrifying yeah I I love that their awkwardness is in such contrast with all of their other interactions we've seen together, which have been, like, mm-hmm. um, so open and argumentative and kind of dynamic. And here they are now with so much pressure on their interactions, mm-hmm. and they just can't manage to do it. Suki talks to Lorelai basically the whole night. Um, Jackson keeps trying to, like, get a word in or get some of her attention and she just kind of ignores him or she doesn't ignore Mm -hmm. him she just I think gets overwhelmed by trying to balance that and she goes back Mm -hmm. to talking with uh with Lorelai yeah meanwhile Rune is sitting there he at one point asks her what her shoe size is and Lorelai says a size nine which I'm pretty sure is like the most average shoe size Mm-hmm. It's very typical. Yeah, that's not big at all. <laughs> oh not that having big feet is a problem, <clears throat> yeah, but true. also like, <laughs> go away, Rune. <laughs> giving you're giving Tristan a run for his money, Rune. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know if he can top Tristan though. Yeah, I mean at the very least he's not like predatory, which Tristan is. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. But he is. <laughs> he's like the opposite. <laughs> yeah, dismissive and. Yeah. This leads to Lorelai realizing what's happening. She's like, we have to kind of turn this night around if there's going to be any hope for this. So she pulls Suki aside away from the table and says, like, you know, what's going on? And Suki admits um, that she's just feeling all of this pressure. She describes that the restaurant is too fancy. Her hair is too tight. Like, this isn't the way that like their first date should be going it's not like I don't know and Lorelai realizes this and is like I'll take your hair down we can go to Luke's like a more casual place like let's get this thing going a second time in a better way and this was yet again another instance of Lorelai being a really good friend like she sees this night is going wrong and she's willing to make it go right because she knows how to make it go right because she knows Suki and Jackson and she's like we can turn this around. I just thought it was really smart of her, and I'm so glad that they make the decision to go to Luke's and they just leave the restaurant. Yeah, yeah I think this can be taken back to our gender talk and the performativity mm-hmm. of gender because that's kind of what yeah. they're doing by going to this restaurant. They're, like, performing mm-hmm. courtship, and Suki is performing her gender with all these fancy clothes and all of that and it's clear that it's not working it's not natural for any of them mm-hmm. so I, I think that yeah. yeah that goes along with our critique of gender roles for this episode 
That's a really great point of like, we're all going to this fancy restaurant because it seems like the thing you're supposed to do on your first date. And I bet if they had paid the bill, we probably would have seen that whole masculine thing about how Jackson has to pay for the bill, eat all this stuff. And they're all following along, yet they would all be happy at a different location doing something differently. So I think that's a really good point to make. I think we could do a bit of a... A meanwhile, though, we could consider what's happening elsewhere, yeah. <laughs> um, which is the double date between Lane and Todd and Rory and Dean. And this one is not really going any better, I would say. No. <laughs> it's a very cringy scene. Um, Dean and mm-hmm. Rory, they're all standing in line waiting to go into the movie. And Dean and Rory are a few people ahead. Rory keeps looking back to check on Lane and Todd. And Lane is trying her best to come up with some Mm -hmm. sort of conversation with this guy who is giving her absolutely Mm -hmm. nothing and has he has no personality. He has no likes or dislikes. Does it? Yeah, you have. I was like, does this guy even exist? Like, (laughs) he doesn't have any interest. And this actually. So this was kind of a petty Friday night dinner (laughs) moment. Um, but Mm -hmm. it was when Lane asks him about the band on his t-shirt and he's just Mm. like, oh, whatever. I don't know. I just thought it was a cool picture. It's my sister's shirt. And this is my petty critique of the world at large when people wear, uh, band merchandise or anything for any sort of fandom or anything like that. And then they don't know what it's about. Or they're not mm-hmm. really fans. They just think it looks cool. Yeah. And as somebody who very strictly curated my emo punk <laughs> persona in mm-hmm. high school with all of my band tees from Hot Topic and oh, <laughs> that yeah. I got off of eBay, like, I mm-hmm. I was very... If I wore a band t-shirt, I listened to at least four of their albums <laughs> if they had four albums mm-hmm. out. And I wouldn't let myself mm-hmm. buy something from a band until I had a true opinion on them. Just mm-hmm. like I wouldn't let myself critique Twilight until I had read the books. Um, which was <laughs> Yeah, no, I like that, the dedication and how it's supposed to be like a communication sort of mm-hmm. thing. Like, if you see me with this band, it's almost like an invitation to ask me about it or talk to me about the band. And he totally fails by... Yeah, not even knowing it was a band at all. Yeah. Like, ugh. Yeah, it makes me think of, like, Target and places that have band t-shirts that are kind of vintage mm-hmm. or retro, which at this point basically means bands from the 90s, um, maybe even the 2000s, strangely. One of my friends mentioned one of her students wore a My Chemical Romance shirt and didn't <laughs> know who they were. Just thought it was a cool image. Yeah. It's like vintage and My Chemical Romance is just from the the late 2000s. It's very sad. Yeah, it's true. It's like the reduction. I think it's also the reduction of the art itself mm-hmm. into just the image or something aesthetic that could be sold on a t-shirt. I don't judge. I don't necessarily judge like young consumers for wanting to buy a shirt that looks pretty and it's like part of their fashion sense but maybe it's just like the larger process Mm -hmm. of like that's not even what the band is about that's not even like what they put time into in the album like it's just using 
objectifying yeah. their work and only such a small little slip of it, you know? Yeah, it's mm. taking everything out of context, which kind of reminds yeah. me of the new, of Adele's new album and how she, like, uh, petitioned Spotify to take the automatic shuffle off of albums mm-hmm. so that she could actually hear it like the artist wanted. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel of all the insults for Lane, this was probably the worst she could hear. <laughs> like, there's no coming back from this that you don't respect this musical artist when that is her life, her entire life's work, <laughs> is appreciating these these bands. <laughs> I felt like Lane at the start of all of this was like a balloon, you know, very buoyant mm-hmm. and optimistic. <laughs> and then you just see her deflating slowly throughout this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> like, this guy, he doesn't listen to music he doesn't read books when she asks him what he wants to major in he says gym because it's the one that would require the least amount of classes and you hear like you hear rory well we see rory overhearing this because she's been eavesdropping and i feel like she's a representative for all of us viewers because she's like clearly so judgmental and even dean like i have to hand it to dean like he doesn't even try to defend Todd at all. He's like, yeah, I don't know what to say. Like, we work on bikes together. He has the best tools. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked that Dean was, like, completely honest in this moment. Like, yeah, he's not much of a guy. <laughs> he, he was, like, we don't often compliment Dean, but I will give him this. Mm-hmm. He did also try to uh, warn Rory about this. When That's a good point. When Rory was trying was withholding kisses to get him to get him to do what she wanted, he what he did say like I don't know that they would really work together, and mm-hmm. he was right. <laughs> yeah, his reluctance was uh, well intentioned. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't Lane that was lacking. It was this guy Todd, whose favorite movie is Beethoven, which is a fun movie, but it's a chi- children's movie and. There are so mm-hmm. many other good ones. Like, I love children's movies as well, but there are so many other good ones. And also, mm-hmm. he's a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I mentioned briefly before, I feel like he's this character is kind of playing into like a stereotypical like stoner mm-hmm. kind of character. He's got like a beanie on with longer hair. Looks like he would skateboard, but mm-hmm. he it's it seems like they work on bikes together, so maybe not. But I would say to that point. Even stoners, though, have interests, you know, (laughs) like probably like music or something else, you know. So he wasn't even a good stereotype of that kind of type either. Mm -hmm. So he's just a letdown in every single aspect. Poor Lane. (laughs) Kind of in the meantime, the adult party has moved to Luke's. Lorelai goes right up to the counter and asks for, I think it was four coffees, four menus, and an anvil, please. Um, <laughs> yeah. And explain. And Luke's like, why? <laughs> she explains the situation to Luke, um, kind of obviously procrastinating going back over there. Um, mm-hmm. At one point, while they're sitting there, Rune stands up and he's pissed off, he's bored, he wants to go home. And he and Jackson kind of have a confrontation. And Jackson is waiting. He's kind of saying, well, okay, I mean, it doesn't seem like this is going anywhere. Suki's not mm-hmm. talking to me. 
And finally, Suki finds her voice and says, like, don't go. We haven't even really started. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Jackson rightfully kicks Rune the loon out. And they and Jackson and Suki finally start their date. Yeah, it was it was very momentous. It felt like everything had been building to this scene and it pays off mm-hmm. really well. And I really like that Jackson and Suki's developing romance is also paralleled in this scene with Luke and Lorelai. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I love them together in the scene yet again. I really love their, like, flirting, their banter. Um, like, uh, I don't even know what to highlight because there are so many good things in here. Luke has put nutmeg in the coffee and Laura, like, compliments this and he says, what can I say? Chicks dig a man with a feminine side. Ooh, so maybe related to our uh, generals conversation we've been having, Luke is aware of the, um, how the converging of, you know, the feminine and the masculine, ma- feminine and masculine together, like, you don't have to view it as a binary. Mm-hmm. In fact, it is a choice, and you can dip and choose and express yourself most fully. I guess he's saying he's doing it to attract women, <laughs> so maybe that's a bit suspect, but, you know, yeah. I'll give it to him. <laughs> yeah, Luke has given us many different instances of him being kind of uh, progressive in a way in his thought and everything. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. know if he meant it to be that way in this instant. Yeah, I think it was, it was a joke. Yeah, it was kind of sarcastic, <laughs> but I like that it is mm-hmm. being brought up nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, especially since we've been yeah. talking about it the whole time. Also, nutmeg and mm-hmm. coffee. I haven't tried that. I'm going to have to try that. It sounds good. It does sound good. Uh, so, like... As you had mentioned, Lorelai was procrastinating going over. So they've been talking for a bit. And then once Jackson and Suki decide to have their date, she also just stays at the counter to give them a bit of privacy. Her and Luke are, like, playing cards. And um, then they both start to, like, observe Suki and Jackson. And they're talking about, like, first dates and the first feelings of, like, the first touch and all of these things and it's like the subtext is so clear here like they're talking about Suki and Jackson but they could be talking about themselves and Lorelai is like oh I wish I could have that again he says you could have that again and he's he starts to say maybe sometime we could (laughs) dot 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 and Mrs. Kim interrupts them no (laughs) Mrs. Kim the worst timing yeah, I was, like, I know. on the edge of my seat, even though I've seen this a million times mm-hmm. as we knew. happening. <laughs> Mrs. Kim ruins the moment, um, and she is she sees Lorelai. She thinks Lorelai is supposed to be home with Rory and Lane, because that's where Lane said they would mm-hmm. be. So she is freaking out um, and takes Lorelai away from the situation, and Luke stands there kind of dejected. Looks so, de- <laughs> like, so dejected. With his uh, little... Um, ticket pad is stuffed into the front of his jeans which is such a, a strange thing but part of his character I guess and then we so we leave Suki and Jackson here we don't really find anything out more about them until the end and then we have to confront Lane and Rory and Dean and Todd who are coming out of the movie theater um mm-hmm it's pretty clear it didn't go well 
Lane is just starting to talk about how she should be getting going when Mrs. Kim screams her name from across the town square and, yeah. and we know what's coming. Um, mm-hmm. Todd also thinks Lorelai is a babe. Yeah. And at this point, I don't know what's happened, but Todd seems into Lane. Yeah. Like, he wants to keep the date going and she's like, no, I'm sorry. I really have to get home. <laughs> Um, so she's like totally rejecting him. Luckily, I almost thought she'd be happy a bit that her mom came as like an excuse to get away. Mm-hmm. But obviously the threat of like the grounding, I'm sure is really scary as well. And um, yeah, that ends the date. <laughs> and we kind of pick back up in the episode multiple days later. Some time has passed and we hear about this when Rory climbs up to visit Lane um, she like climbs up to the roof somehow and is talking to Lane through the window and um, we just get a bit of an update about how Lane is grounded and all of this stuff. Apparently Todd and Dean have gone muffler shopping so Todd is okay. He's handling this rejection fine. <laughs> I like that Rory calls Lane Rapunzel at this moment. That was almost mm-hmm. my... Uh bookshelf moment because I love that story but yeah we find out Todd has attempted to call and Lane pretended to be her mom to say that she couldn't talk which (laughs) I can just imagine is probably hilarious kind of at the same time I'm assuming it's a different time because Lorelai probably would have noticed Rory up on the roof (laughs) but probably (laughs) Lorelai comes into Mrs. Kim's antique shop um before we get into what happens here, this is where one of my stars hollow or my stars hollow moment was for her mm. something that is laying on the kitchen table of Mrs. Kim's kitchen. I'm not entirely oh. sure what it's called, and I meant to look it up, but it's um like a foot warmer. It's got it's like a metal circular enclosed thing that you would put coals in and it has a stick. Um a handle coming out from it and you would like put it under the hmm. under a mattress or under blankets in a bed to keep your feet warm the Ooh. the only time i the only reason i know this is because of pirates of the caribbean <laughs> where um oh <laughs> i think the same thing is used for elizabeth and then when all the pirates come and attack she like uh opens up the foot warmer thing over one of the pirates faces and all the hot coals come out but I liked that. Um, I, I just like the antique shop of a small town kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, mm-hmm. You can, I mean, you obviously can find antique shops anywhere, but they're different in a little town like this. They're just kind of, everything's yeah. a little bit more personal. Um, and I really like mm-hmm. it. I want one of those. <laughs> yeah. I admire your eye for like the small detail items. Sometimes you nominate, like, you nominated a specific, like, lamp in Babette's yard once before, too, and I, I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, but within this scene, Lorelai is going to talk to Mrs. Kim, and this is the development of the mom code, as we mentioned a bit before, earlier on, and I wanted to nominate this scene as my gazebo moment, actually, this conversation between Lorelai and Mrs. Kim. Um, I just, I really like how Lorelai believes in the mom code. 
and just, you know, respecting other moms. And she's so respectful of Mrs. Kim in this moment, despite their differences in personality as well as parenting approaches. And she, like, is able to maintain some deference to Mrs. Kim while also offering her own two cents, as she says, and advocates on Lane and Rory's behalf. Like, I just thought this was a really great way she was dealing with something that could have been this really big conflict. Mm -hmm. But she still is, like, and Mrs. Kim is, to be fair, like, pretty, like, rough and blunt with Lorelai, but she, like, keeps going and says her piece and whatnot. And I just, I really liked these two I don't think we'd seen such a big scene between them before, and I really appreciated seeing it. Mm-hmm. That is that mm-hmm. is my thoughts. <laughs> I agree. It's such a touchy mm-hmm. thing to give parents parenting advice. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I mean, we know technically, I suppose, that Mrs. Kim isn't a single mother, but for all intents and purposes in this show, she is. And I feel like it's right. kind of a bonding moment between... Lorelai and Mrs. Kim, they both have these mm-hmm. ideas of how they want their daughters to be raised, and they're both kind of inflexible in their own ways in that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And here Lorelai is trying to just give Mrs. Kim an idea of what could possibly happen. There was there was a couple of lines that I loved in this scene um, where Lorelai mm-hmm. is like, you can't just... It doesn't work well to just uh, lock up a kid and throw away the key, referring to herself. And Mm -hmm. Mrs. Kim's response is, I didn't throw away the key, it's in the kitchen. (laughs) And I love that. (laughs) Yeah, Lorelai's like, well, I was talking symbolically, (laughs) but okay. (laughs) Yeah, but I I also, like, Mrs. Kim, you can tell, is is swayed by the end. Like, she does start to think about this Mm -hmm. a little bit more Mm -hmm. and kind of think about how she could be a bit more flexible and realize that lying about going to a movie of all the things is pretty small (laughs) yeah yeah I also liked how as you said Lorelai is sharing a bit of like this is what happened to me as a teen when I was you know so locked away and controlled and my parents wanted me to become a very like specific thing I got pregnant, basically, and Mrs. Kim is like, you blame your parents for your pregnancy? And I thought that was kind of on point to what we had questioned a bit before. And Lorelai, I think, offers a bit of clarity for us when she responds like, no, I just wish I'd had more space or someone to talk to. So I thought that was um, some good information shared in that scene. But overall, I... Also noticed Lorelai kind of ended things by saying the compliment we highlighted earlier when Emily said to Lorelai, like, you've done well with Rory. Here, Lorelai says, like, you're doing a really great job raising Lane. Lane is, like, a great kid. And I thought, again, that was just a really high, like, such a good compliment to give her and a good way to end this whole conversation like I've told you how you know my thoughts but ultimately like you've done such a wonderful job and Lane is such a wonderful person like that was really it felt heartfelt it was great yeah yeah I also think we can once again relate this back to our gender discussion with Mm. the two mothers raising two daughters without Mm -hmm. 
men in their lives. Again, supposedly there's a Mr. Kim, uh, but yeah, we don't see him. <laughs> um, and I think it's it's interesting how we see this. At, at, it's often not portrayed in media, at least not in the same way with like single mothers having this specific way that they want to raise their children and not not just highlighting the struggle of single motherhood but more like a struggle of just motherhood or parenting in general um so i think that's Mm -hmm. an interesting an interesting thing to tie back into our larger conversation that was completely Mm -hmm. on the fly Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't have an easy way to transition with this but i did have my lorelei's closet nomination in this scene with mrs kim and lorelei and it is a hypothetical item (laughs) you did this once before i thought it was so cool so i'm gonna do it now uh in this scene when lorelei is kind of you know joking in her classic fashion about how lane is kind of under house arrest uh, Lorelai jokes that she was thinking about making them house arrest bracelets uh, or anklets, sorry. And she thought maybe they could be zebra, leopard, or with a glitter design. And so I just thought it was very fun. And the hypotheticalness of it is that she didn't actually make them, but I believe they'd be the most um, beautiful, you know, house arrest anklets ever if they were created by Lorelai. Uh, I completely missed <laughs> Very that. flashy. So Lorelai. Yeah. <laughs> her and her animal mm-hmm. prints and glitter. Yeah. She can do it in a way no one else can. That's true. Or that I would. That's true. <laughs> um, so after this scene where, yeah, we, we're kind of left with Mrs. Kim thinking about things, um, then we mm-hmm. pick up later on with uh, back at Luke's and Lorelai has passed her, passed her test, which I don't think we brought up at all before. Um, she has oh, been right. studying for an, a, an exam in her business class this whole time. She passed. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of get like a rundown, a wrap-up of events, basically, with learning that Suki and Jackson have been on, I think it was three more dates that week or something, which is basically, that's pretty mm-hmm. much every night. Um yeah. yeah. Yay. I'm happy for them. Yeah. They're they're so cute. But the one of the biggest things that happens in this scene is Rory gets a page and it's from Lane. Rory being the the goody two shoes that she is, as Lorelai says, she leaves the diner to go and talk to Lane on the phone. Um and then Luke comes over and we get kind of the continuation of the scene the other night where he kind of asks her out. It, he's mm-hmm. making the same mistake that Suki made episodes ago with right. just this vague, maybe we could do something sometime. Yeah. There was like, an, it was yet another dramatic pause moment here where he says, you rushed out of here before I had a chance to dot, 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 kick your ass in poker. Like, no, he couldn't. Like, he was so close to actually asking her mm-hmm. out, and he totally loses the chance. And then later on, he kind of tries to make up for it by saying, maybe we could do it again sometime, like referring to how they're playing the cards at the counter and whatnot. But it's clearly not enough. And what a missed opportunity. How different the show could have gone, mm-hmm. right, if they just started dating right then. Although maybe, you know... Like many things, maybe it's for the best. I don't know 
are they ready for mm-hmm. their ultimate relationship right now at this point in the show? I'm not sure. But I did like that it was paralleled with the Sookie and Jackson thing of the the theme of missed opportunities and the need to be completely intentional and bold in your pursuit yeah. of the love of your life. <laughs> yeah, especially since this is the one moment that Lorelai is single. She just broke up with Max. Mm-hmm. It's been enough time that she's kind of recovered a bit. This would have been a good time. But I think you're right. I don't think it would have worked out for the best if they had started dating at this point. I mean, not that it's smooth going later on, but, you know. (laughs) We also get to see Lane reappear. She can go as far (laughs) as the sign. I thought this was adorable. But, yeah, that's pretty much the end of the episode with Lane almost being ungrounded, but not quite. (laughs) Some progress. You're right. (laughs) Okay, so we will end things by sharing our regular reminders. You can send us a gazebo moment from this episode or another one in a one-minute voice memo to our email, which is talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. And follow us on Instagram. I should also mention we do post all of our episodes on YouTube if that's your preferred way of listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. Okay. See you next time. Talk to you next week. (laughs) Yeah.